Thank you so much for joining us today for Declaration's online message. I'm Daniel, one of your pastors at Declaration. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We wanna know more about you and for you to know more about who we are. I wanna invite you to text CONNECT to 43000. You will receive a link to an online connection card. So do me a favor, fill it out. We wanna connect with you. Also, everyone's invited to attend our in-person worship services every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. at Snyder Elementary in Spring, Texas. Hey, check out this video of some upcoming events you don't wanna miss. Hello, Declaration family. I'm JJ, and I want to take a minute to fill you in on some things you don't want to miss. So, whether you are joining us online or in person, welcome to church. It's time to register for summer events at Declaration. Sports Camp, Peak Week, Camp 220. God has incredible things in store for the students of Declaration this summer. To learn more and to register for events this summer, visit the Declaration website. Summer groups are kicking off June 11th, and we want you to experience the difference it can make in your life. Today, you can register to lead a group, and on June 4th, the online directory will be live on the Declaration website for everyone to sign up. So jump into community this summer. At Declaration, we believe that generosity is giving back to God the first portion of what He has given to us. So join us and pray. Ask the Lord what He would have you give, and then be obedient. To give through Declaration, you can give by visiting our website, declaration.org. Text GIVE to 43000 or place your offering in one of the gift boxes in the lobby. If you are visiting for the first time, we want you to know that we consider you a part of the family and we would love to get to know you. Do us a favor and text CONNECT to 43000 and fill out a connection card right on your phone. You can also scan the seat back in front of you or find a connection card at the response tables. Okay, that's it. You can find more information about everything you heard today at Declaration.org or the Connection Center in the lobby. We are so glad you joined us for worship today. love seeing what God is doing with um, some, a lot of new families here that, that has become part of the family in the last year, like Kirk and Annie, and just exciting stuff. Setting the table, good stuff. I've got some things to talk about. Before we do, can we uh, cheer and clap and, and send our fifth and sixth grade out in style and welcome everybody joining online? And They probably thought I forgot about them. So um, a couple things, a little update for, for the table and um, all things that, that God is doing in the background. Uh, we, uh, number one, I, I want us to begin to pray fervently. Everybody say fervently. fervently. We're going to pray that God will continue to do all that he's been doing with the land sales. And so we're going to ask the Lord to expedite those land sales. Can we say amen to that? Um, secondly, here's the, here's very exciting news. Um, brace yourself, but steel arrives Thursday. So come on, everybody. Yeah. Come on. You can, you can be better than that. Be louder than that. So we're very excited about that. Um, 
It's going to be sitting out on the, the parking lot pad for a while, just for a bit. But um, man, we're going to pray and continue to ask the Lord, God, your timing. It's, it's your thing. It's his church. Amen. But thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your obedience to the Lord, your heart for Jesus, your heart for people, because we realize that it's all of us together that's making that difference. And God is using us. He's providing, he's giving, he's, I mean, he's lavishing upon us his provision and we're giving a part of that back and we're seeing God multiply that. And very soon we're going to see um, steel begin to stand up and not just lay down and come on somebody, right? So it's going to be good stuff. It's going to be awesome. Hey, don't forget today we have DNA. We're excited about that. If you're new to the family and you'd like to know more about the church, the vision, the values, and honestly, you'll start to learn some things that how God wired you. DNA one is right down that hallway past the bathroom um, on the right. We'd love for you to do that right after this service. Okay, here we go. Um, Exodus fifteen eleven, week six of awestruck and wonder theme verse. Who is like you among the gods, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? This whole series, the desire is that we begin to see God for who he truly is um, in, in the capacity, in the fullness capacity that we can, in our finite ability, that we would begin to perceive God in such a, a powerful, majestic way, maybe um, deeper than we ever have before. Maybe we see him more powerful than we ever have before, more majestic, more mighty, more holy, that we find ourselves in total awe and wonder, right? That we would be so enamored and so enraptured by his incomparable power, by his undeniable sovereignty, by his inconceivable glory and majesty, right? That, that this completely faithful, transcendent, holy God knows us. He loves us. He chose us. He made a way for us to have access to him at all times. That even at the mention of his name, we are completely blown away and humbled because of who he is. That's been the heartbeat. That's the prayer, right? That, that because of who God is, we begin to live with this holy reverence, this fear of the Lord if you will, that would draw us deeply into repentance, that would, you know, that, that we would completely begin to walk in obedience, that we would choose willingly to walk in obedience to the Lord, um, that we would grow daily um, more intimate with God and that we are driven to a life of holiness. Why? Because he is holy and that's what he calls us to. We can't help ourselves, that we would desire to be so much more like him because we've tasted and seen his goodness. So that's kind of the heartbeat of it. You know, um, I don't know, just watching the news, just a few minutes, getting on social media, just a few minutes, it becomes more and more apparent just how dire our culture is going down the drain. And so for the bride of Christ to become very serious about their identity, for the bride of Christ to become very serious about um, the blessing the privilege of walking um, hand in hand with this holy God. What a powerful thing for the world to begin to see, for the bride of Christ to be in awe of God. Amen. So like Paul, right, uh, that we would live this sacred life as he did from the Damascus encounter forward. And like Moses, that we would live this set apart life as he did from the burning bush moment Forward And like that of Isaiah, that we would live this separate, sacred life unto God as he did from his encounter in Isaiah, or chapter 6, Isaiah 6, forward. That our 
all of God, that our reverence, the fear of the Lord would drive us to repentance, obedience, intimacy, and holiness. As we read at the close of last week, I want to remind you, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, it says, prepare, we need to prepare our minds for action, to keep sober in spirit, to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, we are not to be conformed to the former lusts which were ours in our ignorance when we walked in darkness, when we walked in depravity, when we walked choosing debauchery, but like the Holy One who called us, we are to be or to become holy ourselves also in all of our behavior because it's written as we are told by the Lord, you shall be holy for I am holy. And this is what the Lord desires of us. This is kind of where we landed the plane last week. It's the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, the awe of God that will drive us to this repentance, to this intimacy, to this obedience, and to this holiness. The fear of the Lord, the reverence for who God is and unto God that we would be awestruck, total in wonder at who he is. Now, last week I asked some questions, right? I said, what would it take? Um, what more sifting or more shaking needs to happen? Because the Bible's clear um, everything that can be will be shaken until only the eternal things remain. So what more sifting, what more shaking needs to happen? What circumstance, what suffering, what situation, what temptation, what trial, what test even must we endure? What will it take for us to finally wake up to wonder? What will it take for us to finally find ourselves so humbled under the mighty sovereign hand of God in all of who he is? So much so that it would drive us to humility, that it would drive us to reverence and fear and awe and wonder and obedience and righteousness and intimacy and holiness. What would it take? We've seen Isaiah's overwhelming encounter. We've seen Moses's, um, you know, his life got completely interrupted. We saw Saul's radical life transformation into Paul and the testimony and the transcendent legacy that that created all because of encountering the presence and the power of God. We've had multiple opportunities because we've got this direct access to God. We have had multiple opportunities to have these God encounters. Even this morning, man, the presence of God was so powerful. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Father. But what is it going to take, right, for the, 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 the bride of Christ, um, even us in the house this morning? What is it going to take? You know, what's it going to take? So we've looked at all these characters briefly, very briefly, but then there's Job. Sounds exciting this morning, doesn't it? <laughs> like, I'm glad I woke up for this. <laughs> then there's Job. Now listen, Job was a man of means. In fact, when we see Job's story, we, I think we find ourselves um, in it in some degree. What is this? He was a man of means. He was a wealthy man. He had a great life. And honestly, um, even, you know, here... We are so privileged to live where we live and to have the opportunities that we have. We live a very privileged, privileged life. Now, some of us might want to, you know, compare and say, not like that. But I'm going to tell you, we live a very privileged life. And so Job's the man of means. He's a man of wealth. He's a man of privilege. He's living in a land surrounded by his extended family, his, 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 his immediate family. He's surrounded by his many flocks of animals that he owns. He's known to be a man who is blameless. He's known to be a man who is upright. He's, he's constant to remain faithful. He's walking in holiness. He's living in a righteous manner. He's a man who feared God and he shunned evil. And as a result of that, God's generous favor was upon his life. 
We're going to see it. I, I want to show it to you in chapter 1. So, so go there with me in chapter 1 of Job. I, I want you to see it for yourself, what it says. It says, there was this man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions were, were like 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, a very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house to, to each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them. Rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons had sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. He would go offer sacrifices on their behalf. Now there was this day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came along with them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. He's blameless, an upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? What an interesting question. Have you not made a hedge around him and his house? This is what the enemy's saying. Have you not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on, on every side? Ha, ha, you've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you in your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now let me just tell you something. This is a weird passage in my opinion. It is a strange passage in my opinion. Um, very interesting things. Verse 9, when Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? It's like, it's like the enemy is like daring God here. He says, I mean, look what you've done for him, God. Look, 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 you've made it easy for him, God. And I would just contend that, that we live in a land and we live in a time we may, we may feel like that we're under the weight of persecution and suffering and circumstance, but look, we have it pretty easy in comparison to a lot of places all over the world. We are a people of means. We are a people of wealth. No matter what it says in your bank account, we are a people of privilege. You made it easy for him, God. I mean, does, does, Job, does Job fear God for nothing? And look, it's like he's daring God. Reach out your hand. Touch all that he has. Certainly he will curse you. Watch. He's so faithful. He's so holy. He's so upright. Why don't you bring down a little heat on him and see what happens? Because see, we really see what we're made of when our life is squeezed. <laughs> and so here's where the dark night begins for Job. Over the course of time um, and the sifting of the enemy. Now remember, God did say, don't bring harm to him. So God's... Favor of protection is still upon his life. But over the course of the time, the Sabaeans, they take his, his oxen and his donkeys and they kill um, his servants who are with them. And then fire from heaven ends up burning up the, you know, all of Job's sheep and, and servants who were with them also got burned up. They died. And the Chaldeans, they took Job's camels and they killed the servants. It's a bad day to be a servant of Job, I'm just saying. Every time it's like they die. Um, a great wind kills all of Job's children by causing the collapse of the oldest son's house where they had been eating and drinking together. 
all these things take place. Then if that's not enough, we see in chapter 2 that Job is still holding his integrity somehow through all that. And then he's struck with this horrific, like, all these sores that just cover the entirety of his body. And it's at this point that Job's wife begins to encourage Job. Maybe you should just curse, curse God, but Job refuses. So she's going, Job, how much more? I mean, if God is so good, then why Job? Surely, look at, look at the circumstances surrounding us, Job. How is God good in this? John Piper wrote of this situation. This is what he said. He said, Job had been lying in unrelieved misery for months with open sores all over his body. And during that time, he bore the grief of seven dead sons and three dead daughters. All of his wealth had vanished in the seemingly time frame of an afternoon. He had become repulsive to his wife, loathsome to his brothers, and even little children despised him as he lay on that ash heap outside of town. So this is what he's been reduced to. And at first, Job bore these calamities with this amazing ability to continue to submit, right? He would even say things, and we'll see this in a minute, but he would say things like, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But as the misery drug on for months and months, Job wavers in his confidence that God really was for him. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've been guilty of that before. Feeling like my misery is drug on for months and months, and then I begin to question God. God, where are you? God, are you, all these things that we sing, God, are they true? Do you really have good plans for my life? Are you really for me? See, in defending himself against bad theology of friends, by the way, you better watch out who you surround yourself with when you're walking through it. <laughs> so he defends himself. He, he actually says some things about God that aren't true. He begins to insist on his own righteousness at the expense of God's justice. For example, in chapter 13, um, he says, Make me know my transgression and my sin. Why dost thou hide thy face and count me as thy enemy? So this is what Job is saying. Job could only think that God's ignoring his faithfulness and treating him as an enemy. He did reach the point where he finally confessed in chapter 19, after death, he would see God. After death, I'll see God as my redeemer. It's so bad. But for now, God's treating him as an enemy, not a friend, not a child. So Job thought. So he complains to God. He says, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and I would fill my mouth with arguments. Oops. See, why are... Times of judgment kept by the Almighty, and why do those who know him never see his days, Job says. Now, a few chapters later, we see God respond to Job. And here is maybe what we may need to hear this morning. See, because no matter our circumstance, no matter our situation, no matter our suffering, no matter if we have or maybe we're facing temptation or trials or even a test like this, Maybe we're in the middle of a test. God is still God. God is still right. God is still holy. God is still powerful. God is still able. God is still for you. God's favor is still upon your life. Um, he is still good. And, and somehow, even still, God still has good plans, even in the midst of whatever it is that we're walking through. So no matter what we may be staring at in our current situation, in our current state, let me just say this. The rest of this message is going to be a little bit different. Because I just want the scripture to stand for itself. So we're going to read God's response to Job. And here's my prayer, just unapologetically. My prayer 
throughout this whole series, but especially today, is that the Holy Spirit would just anoint the word of God, but it would also penetrate our hearts in such a way that we find ourselves broken before a holy God. Because we'll, we'll clearly see in just a little while, see, it's repentance that, that begins to shout about the redemptive nature of who God is. It's the, it's the repentance that begins to bring the restoration that we so desperately need. Not just in our land, but in our homes, in our families. So let me pray for us, and then we're just going to let the scripture, we're going to soak in God's response to Job this morning. Lord, would you empower your word today? And God, speak. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. As only you can, we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you turn with me to Job chapter 38? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is, this darkness, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you will instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who set, the measurement, who set its measurements since you know, or who stretched the line on it? On what were, this ba- on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb. When I made a cloud its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band. And I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt on and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no further. And here shall your proud waves stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked shall be shaken out of it? It is uh, is changed like clay under the seal, and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this, that you may, may take it, uh, that you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of distress, or for the war and battle? Where is the way that the light is divided, or the east wind scattered on the earth? Who has has cleft a channel for the flood, or a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on the land without people, on the desert without a man in it? to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the seeds of grass to sprout the seeds of grass to sprout has the rain a father or has the begotten drops of the dew from whose womb has come the ice and from frost of heaven who's given it birth 
Water becomes hard like stone, and the surface of the deep is imprisoned. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the constellations in its season and guide the bear with her satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens or fix the rule over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that the abundance of water will cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? Who can count on the clouds by wisdom or tip the water jars of the heavens? When the dust hardens into a mass and the clouds stick together, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair, who prepares for the ravens its nourishment when the young cry to God and wander without food? Do you know the time the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you count the months they fulfill? Or do you know the time they give birth? They kneel down, they bring forth their young, they get rid of their labor pains. Their offspring become strong, they grow up in the open field, they leave and do not return to them. Who sent out the wild donkey free? And who loosed the bonds of the swift donkey? to whom I gave the wilderness for a home and the salt land for his dwelling place. He scorns the tumult of the city, the shoutings of the driver he does not hear. He explores the mountains for his pasture and searches after every green thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you or will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in a furrow with ropes or will he harrow the valleys with you? Will you trust him because his strength is great and leave your labor to him? Will you have faith in him that he will return your grain and gather it from your threshing floor? The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love, for she abandons her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust, and she forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, she is unconcerned because God has made her forget wisdom and has not given her a share of understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrible. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed, and he does not turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin. With shaking and rage, he races over the ground, and he does not stand still at the voice of the trumpet. As often as the trumpet sounds, he says, Aha, and he scents the battle from afar, and the thunder of the captains and the war cry. It is by your understanding Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars, stretching his wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? On the cliff he dwells and lodges, upon the rocky crag in an inaccessible place. From there he spies out food. His eyes see it from afar. His young ones also suck up blood. And where the slain are, there is he. Then the Lord said to Job, 
Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, I will not answer. Even twice, I will add no more. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, Now gird up your loins like a man. I will ask you, and you instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Or do you have an arm like God that you can thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with eminence and dignity. Clothe yourself with honor and majesty. Pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and make him low. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them in the dust together. Bind them in the hidden place. Then I will also confess to you that your own right hand can save you. Now behold, behemoth, which I made as well as you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold now his strength in his loins and in his power and in the muscles of his belly. He bends his tail like cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. He is the first in the ways of God. Let his maker bring near his sword. Surely the mountains bring him food, and all the beasts of the field play there. Under the lotus plants he lies down, in the covert of the reeds and the marsh. The lotus plants cover him with shade. The willows of the brook surround him. If a river rages, he's not alarmed. He's confident, though, the Jordan rushes to his mouth. Can anyone capture him when he's on his watch with barbs? Can anyone pierce his nose? Can you drag out Leviathan with a fish hook and press down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a rope on his nose and a piece it and pierce his jaw with a hook? Sorry. <laughs> will he make uh, many pleas to you or will he speak to you in gentle words? Will he make a covenant with you? Will, will you take him as, as a servant forever? Will you play with him as you do with a bird or tie him down for, for, for your young girls? Will the traders bargain for him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, your expectation is false. Will you be hurled down even at the sight of him? No one is so reckless that he dares to stir him. Who then is he who opposes me? Who has been first to give me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the entire heaven is mine. I will not be silent about his limbs or, or his mighty strength or his graceful frame. Who can strip off his outer covering? Who can pierce his double armor? Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth there is terror. His strong scales are his pride, locked as with a tight seal. One is so close to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezes flash forth light and his eyes like the eye of the dawn. From his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. From his nostrils smoke goes out. From his boiling pot and burning reeds. His breath sets coals aglow and flame goes forth from his mouth. In his neck dwells strength and dismay leaps before him. 
The folds of his flesh are joined together, firm and immovable on him. His heart is as firm as stone and as firm as a lower millstone. When he rises up, the mighty are afraid. Because of the crashing, they are bewildered. The sword that reaches him cannot prevail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He regards iron as straw, bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned around and turned into stubble for him. Clubs are regarded as stubble. He laughs at the rattling of the javelin. His underparts are like sharp pieces of pottery. He spreads out like a threshing sledge on the mud. He makes the depths boil like a pot, and he makes the sea like a jar of ointment. Behind him, he illuminates a pathway. One would think the deep to be gray-haired. Nothing on earth is like him, one made without fear. He looks on everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no plan is impossible for you. Who is this who conceals advice without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. These things are too wonderful for me, which I, I do not know. And then Job says, please listen and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent, sitting on dust and ashes. Now, I don't know about you, but if God decided to go on a tirade like that with me, to remind me, oh, something he said in 41 that just really... Who then is he who opposes me? Who has been first to give to me that I should repay him? So maybe instead of asking why me, how about we begin to ask what, God? See, Job trusted God. Ben, you can come on. Job trusted God. Job knew his entire life was all about God. It was only because of God. It was only by God. Truly, it was only for God. God is now reminding Job um, in a very animated way, in my opinion, of this fact. And, And we're no different. Everything about our life is really about God. It's by God. It's through God. It's for God. We see it in Colossians. We see it. Look, we're no different. Who are we to question? Who are we that we should ask God to do anything, let alone repay us, that we should instruct God, that we should counsel God, that we should have an opinion um, based upon our own feelings about God, that we should construct God in our own image? Who are we? So some key verses where we see Job's response to this situation that he finds himself in or where we see Job's response to the trials and the tests and the temptation. Job chapter 1, starting in verse 20, he says, he, he gets up, he tears his robe, he shaves his head, he falls to the ground in worship. All these horrific things have just happened and his response is worship. And he says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. No matter what, I came in with nothing. I exit with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
He is that mighty. He's that powerful. He is that due of his worth. There's no sum total of value that I can ascribe to really attribute to him his value and worth. Every word in the human language of, uh, across every continent, every tribe, every tongue, we could, not, we could not bring together enough language to ascribe his greatness. Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. See, God wins. God always wins. God will make a way, his way, not my way. God will be honored. God will be exalted. God is right. No matter what, Job 42, 6, therefore I retract and I repent, sitting on dust and ashes. See, this is what we desperately need. We got to remember the faithfulness of God. We've got to remember the favor of God, no matter our feelings, no matter our circumstance, no matter our suffering, no matter the trial, no matter the temptation, the test. We've got to consider the faithfulness of God, the stories of how many times God has been so good and so faithful and so true to himself, so true to his character, and how that poured down upon our lives. The hand of God, the protection of God, even if it may look a little different than what we desire or the, what we think. I'm wondering if God thought that, or the, if Job thought God was protecting him when he started losing his kids like that. See, maybe today we need to retract. Maybe today we need to back up. We need to humble ourselves under his mighty hand to maybe, here's another thing. Maybe we need to recognize how far we've gone in our own self the me monster that we truly serve. And maybe we need to begin to offer grace and mercy and forgiveness to those around us. Remember, Job was surrounded by three friends who gave him some pretty bad advice. We really need to do a study on it to see. But, but they started giving him some pretty messed up theo you know, theology advice, if you will. And maybe we need to let some, some things go and repent. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because we, we got to know that God knows us. He hears us. He sees us. He loves us. He has good plans for us. He's got purpose for us. He provides for us. He pours his favor upon our lives. Job repents. I want you to see in chapter 42, verse 10, I want you to see what happens. Because really, while, while this feels heavy, while it sounds heavy, while everything that God says is heavy, I want you to see the heart of God on the backside of, of Job's repentance. Look at verse 10. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and the Lord increased double all that he had. So Job repents. Job, Job is overwhelmed at who God is. I retract, I repent. And the Lord restores his fortunes. Not just that, he increased double everything that Job had. Then all of his brothers, all of his sisters, and all who, who had known him before, they came to him and they ate bread with him in his house and they sympathized with him and they comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him piece of money and each one a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Come on, somebody. Your latter days may be more favored by God than those in the beginning. When our heart is postured before him. It, this is not an if then. Please don't hear this as some sort of prosperity. Put a quarter in the vending machine of God and get out a blessing. This is a God, the fullness, the entirety of my heart and my life. I yield. It's yours. You created me for yourself. 
And yeah, I'm human. And yeah, I make mistakes. And yeah, I get a little arrogant. And yeah, I, I question you. And yeah, and, but God, I repent because you are holy God. And God restores Job. He blesses him more in the latter days than the beginning. It says now he has 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also now has seven daughters, seven sons and three daughters. He restores kids to Job. Legacy, generation. And I love this in 14. He named the first Jemima. This is where we got syrup. The second Keziah. The third Karen. Watch out. It says, in all the land, no women were found as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them inheritances among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons, four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. See, Job recognized the magnitude of who God really is. He recognized the absolute sovereign hand of God and the faithfulness of God and the favor of God. And even the, in a strange way, the protection of God, the blessing of God. He recognized it. He humbled himself under the mighty. He retracted. He repented. And then God restored him. It is possible. Listen to me. It is possible today that that our restoration will only be realized on the backside of our repentance. And I'm not talking just personally. Yes. But I'm also talking corporately. I'm talking um, in America. I'm talking in government. You know, the the, the government rests on his shoulders. Come on. And it might just be that God is waiting for his children, especially first and foremost, to recognize his goodness. No matter what they see. No matter what culture says. And say, I repent. I repent. I repent. See, I don't want you to think that, that when we hear Job, we're like, oh man, yeah, dude, yeah, that's bad. No, no, listen, don't miss Don't miss the beautiful nature of the restoration that came after repentance. Do not miss the goodness of God and and his good plans for Job all along. Can I tell you something? We've been through some stuff, haven't we? Maybe you're walking through a a dark night right now. Maybe Maybe you're in a season right now. But God still has good plans for you. God still has good things for your family. He really does. I've been through situations where I, I, it's hard to see it. I, how, how, God, can you make anything good of this? But you know what? Fast forward. I'm standing before you this morning, and I'm telling you, no matter the hardest things that I've walked through in these 48, nearly 49 years, I still can recognize the goodness of God. God has good plans. And no matter what may come, God is still good and right and worthy of our attention and our allegiance and our alignment and our affection. He's worthy of our wonder and our worship and our admiration and our awe. Hey, would you stand to your feet? Who is like you among the gods, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You know, there is a benefit that comes to those who would choose to live their life unto God as a life of worship.
going to look at that next week. Would you close your eyes and let's just pray this morning. And I'm going to ask the team to just lead us in a couple of songs. And I'm going to leave you alone for just a few minutes. And man, my prayer today is that we hear the word of the Lord. And, and God has spoken through some of the very questions that he asked Job across four chapters. And we just take some time and say, God, I retract. I repent. And we just get serious. We get on our face before God. For some of us, I'm just going to challenge you. Take a step from the place that you're standing or sitting. Let that become a step of faith that would catalyze something new in your life with the Lord. Choose to say, God, I'm going I'm to move from comfort and familiar today. And I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm just going to get before you. The altar will be open. The prayer team is to your right against that curtain. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, not join a church, not become religious, not try to fix your morals, not try to clean your life up. You know what I love about God, our Father God, is that, let me just talk religion for a second. Christianity, based upon faith alone and Christ alone, because of his grace alone. It's the only religion, I hate to even call it that, but it's the only religion where God says, come to me just as you are, let me do the work, let me clean you up. Every other religion, go study it, do better, try harder, clean yourself up before you come before. No, no, no. Because of Jesus. So if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus this morning, with your eyes closed, would you just pray this? Just with me, pray, Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. I need you and I recognize that. I need you, Jesus. I invite you to take charge. May my life be surrendered as a life of worship back to you of gratitude back to you. Thank you, life, because of you. Empty me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. And fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And with your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you hold a hand up so I can see who I'm praying for today and who I'm celebrating with today? Anybody in the house? Keep it up until I see you. I'll say amen if I see you. Thank you. I see you. Amen. Anybody else? Praise Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's someone that just stepped into the kingdom of God for the first time. Now listen. As the band leads us this morning, I'm going to ask you the most important few minutes that we have together, just in the last five minutes or so, 10 minutes, 45 minutes. I'm just playing. In the last few minutes, can we just respond to God together? He's so powerful. He's so worthy. And we would find ourselves awestruck in wonder, so grateful. And allow the Lord to speak to you. 
And like I said, we've got prayer team that want to encourage you and pray for you if you need that. We've got this, just come here, just altars are where sacrifices are made. You can come and kneel, but you can kneel where you are. You can get with family right there and pray. You can, you can get with church family somewhere. You can go take communion together. Whatever it is, it's that step towards him to say, I repent. And he is so faithful. He's going to meet you right in that moment. He's going to cleanse you thoroughly. He's going to forgive you completely. He's going to set you totally free. And he's going to invite you to walk with him. And his favor is going to be on your life. It may not mean there may not be temptation, trials, tests, suffering, but he's with you. He's for you. So Jesus, would you move in this moment as we move towards you, I pray. In your name. Hey, thank you so much for checking us out online today. If you need to make a decision about the next steps in your faith journey with Jesus, text CONNECT to 43000. And if you took the first step in your faith journey today by saying yes to Jesus, we want to know about it. And we want to walk with you. So text JESUS to 43000. There you will find some resources and a message from Pastor John. There are so many ways to connect to Declaration. Check out declaration.org to find out more about who we are. Before we go, let's say our declaration together. Because of what the gospel has done in and to us, our lives exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. We will devote ourselves to his word, his presence, and his people. We desire authenticity, intimacy, a heart of service, and to see his kingdom come. We are for Jesus and for people. Hey, have a great week. We're so glad you joined us. Bye for now.